Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. maybe in a row fifth of uh, an exceptionally awesome guest and uh, someone that is um, highly respected he's a, a father a lover not a hater and uh, 
Hi. Hello. Johnny, Johnny picked his trail. <laughs> Hello. That could have been anyone then, couldn't it? You just that was such a great build up, and then the audience now. Oh, oh what? Oh, it's him. <laughs> oh God, him. <laughs> there was a guy the other day. I was in this uh, session with Vic Galloway, and there was a guy who tweeted uh, saying, "This picked his trail guy loves himself." And really? Then, yeah. Why did he say that? Because I do. I just. <laughs> I, was, I was taking the piss too much on his. Uh, on that show and um, I was chatting a lot about myself I covered myself on that programme as well I did like a cover of my own <laughs> song but it was like in a different band and uh, so I retweeted that bit of uh, that I've not that heard the, I've, I've, I'm kind of halfway through the programme I've not heard the cover yet oh right oh well I mean I've spoiled it for you now but we, I just do a cover of Silver Columns oh my god <laughs> that is genius well I kind of won PRS I thought I'd get a bit of money for it you know <laughs> And uh, two, it's also quite a different version, but yeah. And also, I couldn't be bothered. The BBC have this thing. Now, this is, maybe it's not a good idea for me to be slagging off the BBC publicly, because I love the BBC, they're amazing. But? But this whole, and maybe it's not just the BBC, but this whole thing of like having to do covers, I just find it just really like, you have bands who like sometimes get like two songs on a radio session, and like one of them has to be a cover, and you're like, fuck off. Am I allowed to swear at this yeah. thing? Fuck off. <laughs> you can say like, any swear word you want. You can't, like, what? You invite a band on and then they have to do, like, a really bad cover of a modern... Oh, no, so I wasn't having that. <laughs> so I just did a bad cover of modern my own if songs. Into- <laughs> and um, we, you were playing with Malcolm Middleton when I did a takeover of Vic's show. Oh, yeah. And um, the fucking auto-tune. Yeah. Because, you know, like, for anyone that doesn't listen to the podcast, I hate auto-tune. Yeah. But you do it in a, a total piss-take way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's so... Such a big part of that record of Malcolm's other yeah, exactly. record, and um, I just thought, well, I have to try and recreate that somehow. But it's it's the hip hop or a tune I can't stand. The T Pain, yeah, sort of yeah, really right. bad. But they do it so excessively now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've picked six tracks. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be opening and closing the podcast with two of your tracks, um, mm. just so that you obviously your ego. Yeah. Is satisfied. Um, you have kicked off Erasure. Yes, my and first track. Don't dance. Yeah. Now this for for a lot of maybe some younger listeners, they might think that this is from Beverly Hills Cop or something. Right. Yeah, it has got a bit of a soundtrack <laughs> kind of vibe to it. I think it's they're such an amazing band. Vince Clark is just an incredible. Um, Musician, an incredible producer, and those records they made with the Pesh Mode, and then with Yazoo, and then with Erasure, like the sound is just incredible, and particularly on this record.
scoff at Erasure but like the first four albums particularly are just so many amazing hits and so many great songs and on Circus which I think is their second album I could be wrong uh, just the, every single sound is just really well placed and uh, it's really well balanced and it, to me it still sounds quite contemporary I know it's got like a nostalgic kind of 80s thing to it but like the production on it isn't like too caked in reverb and it doesn't sound cheesy to me it sounds like you know there's a definite hot chippy vibe to yeah. it and there's there's something about those sounds that haven't aged and I really I just I love it and I think Andy Bell's vocal is just really like it's a big reference point for me in terms of and have you ever got to see them live at all I've never seen them live. I've uh, no, I've only ever seen the videos yeah. of Andy sort of dancing around in assless chaps. You kind of dance like that as well. Though, I don't do dance like that. Well, maybe <laughs> unconsciously, I'd been my entire live show is derived. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, they had a, like because he would wear ridiculous costumes on stage and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't but, get me doing that. Wouldn't <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> do anything like that. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Amazing band. My sister played like was a huge Erasure fan, and to be honest, this first track it could have been I could have picked a Depeche Mode track or a Pet Shop Boys track or, or Aha even because that was the music that that was like the sort of first music that I remember listening to and really loving listening to it in the car stereo and having it really loud and 
Yeah. Uh, it's super melodic and uh, and yeah, it's really good. And um, so I, I said to you before we started the podcast that um, I've noticed that the people that are, are choosing their songs, it, it's pretty much representative of them. And it, for me, listening to your music, it's it's quite obvious that, that you're into these artists. Mm. Um, so your career, 10 years, Pictish Trail, is it more now? It's more like, so I guess the first thing I started doing was in 2002. So the first, but went sort of full time from 2003 onwards. So it's been like 13 years. Wow. I'm old. You are I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now nice. you, um, you've obviously... You were part of Fence, but now you're you've started. Well, you started Lost Map, mm. and your roster is amazing. And you have a lot of of new talent coming through. Mm. How how difficult is it running Lost Map, or have you got a really supportive team? I've got a supportive team, but it is a, it is a mess. It's like not a it, yeah, it's not an exact science the thing that we do it's a total and it's the same as through the fence days it's really DIY and it's really sort of cobbled together we do some things like certain things really well um, and yeah we've got like a great team my friend Malcolm helps us with a lot of, a lot of the press stuff and writing like um, biogs and stuff for the bands and approaching press and Kate Canaveral uh, like my best friend pretty much you know, yeah. she's someone who uh We've worked together for years and years, and she's uh, she's like my right hand person at, at, at Lost Map, and she's handles all the distribution and the web shop stuff, and comes up with all the you know comes up with ideas with for like live stuff, and we chat everything through, and she's certainly like a big sounding board for me. Uh, and there's a, yeah, there's a few others. A lot of my friend Laura, and we're getting and my friend David who does the design stuff. Um, it's a like the the actual team that makes Lost Map happen. There's a really we're friends, you know, yeah. it's a, which is a big part of it, and we we're all really excited and passionate about music and stuff. But it's not a professional. <laughs> like whenever we get called, we get approached by bands. People send us in their demos and stuff, and like big bands have sent us in their stuff saying, "I oh, would love to release with you." And I've had to send a few emails going, "You really, you really don't want it." <laughs> you idiots <laughs> how do you go about selecting who you want on the label though is it just genuinely people you love yeah yeah, yeah that's it really and it's usually people who I've met it's very rare that I've like signed something just from listening to it yeah I tend to want to get to know the people and because there's nothing worse than dealing with a band you don't know or some people you've not met and it becomes all a little bit too uh Serious. I can't like. There's a, a daftness to our approach, and there's like we make like I've probably said this a million times already. We make a lot of mistakes, and so it's kind of uh, yeah, preparing the bands for that. We have to let them know that not all we, you know that a lot of bands go into uh, their approach to releasing a record with a label will be like, oh, I want this to happen, and I want this review to happen with this magazine, and I want a premiere to happen here, yeah, and I want this to happen here, so the tour happen, and and sometimes it's just. The, my job as a label is making the bands realise that they have to have more realistic goals. <laughs> and because I'm someone that works with a label as well, so mm. I, I totally get where you're coming from. And do you feel find that they some bands they lack this kind of experience and they expect you to do everything like your PR, book them a tour, you know, make the world happen? Yeah, absolutely. Although that. 
as things as times going on, I've been like more upfront about what we can and what we can't do. And I don't want to sound like a cynical person at all because I think it's a very funny time for music right now. Yeah. It has been for like the last ten years, really, particularly in the last five years. Of, the whole thing has just completely changed. And it's really easy to be cynical about it and be like, oh, this is, you know, what's the point? Um, I think the main thing is to have ideas and to come into something with a story and to come into, if you're releasing your music, you've got to think about how you want your music to actually reach people. Yeah. And it's not just a case of recording an album and coming up with some artwork and then putting it out. You have to think about a whole campaign afterwards yeah. and the market that marketing side of things can scare off so many people and uh, and it and it can be totally horrible but if you inject ideas into it and something that's fun and something that's kind of inclusive and makes people engage with it yeah. in a way that doesn't sacrifice your you know uh, artistic credibility totally. for lack of a better word is uh it's really rewarding and it makes it makes it a much more interesting thing and that's why I've, I've been you know that's why I'm involved with the label that's why I'm involved with as well as doing my own music because I totally live I, I love working and uh, on other people's music and and helping them reach an audience that they wouldn't have otherwise Oh, I can't die. 
My favourite bands, which I'm very happy about, and, and it's the, the Beta Band, or the Beta Band, the Beta Band, um, as uh, High Fidelity. And high Fidelity. Um, so, obviously, there's there's quite a back catalogue. Uh, why this song in particular? I think this, yeah, Inner Meet Me. It's just a, it's a really great song, and the three EPs from when it came, uh, from when it came, it's a really big record for me. I remember like um, I was living in America at the time. And uh, I would go to a record shop called, it was called Secret Sounds, my local record shop. Right. And um, more Hence on that the later, album, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it, it was named after the record shop. Um, and uh, yeah, the guy, it was a proper high fidelity moment. The guy was like, oh man, have you heard this band, the Beta Band? I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I, like, this is it, as soon as I heard that band, I was just like, wow, this is like, didn't sound like anything else. It was, there's something really. Uh, their music is kind of like their artwork. It's like it's like a weird collage of things where you can kind of see all the the parts. You know, it's not um, 
you can see how they stuck things together in a really DIY way and it's in a in a really deliberate way. Mm-hmm. So like acoustic guitar sits right on top of like really weird Gregorian vocals which sat next to like an odd sort of hip hoppy thing and so it wore its influences on its sleeve and didn't apologize for them and was effortlessly cool uh, and was colorful and fun and stupid and there was so much about that that really appealed to me it was like a proper punk moment for me I just kind of thought because you could see the workings it was kind of like punk in its in its way I mean maybe that's to discredit the record too much I hope they wouldn't be offended by that but it's like you know with punk with that whole punk thing you know it's bass drums bass drums guitar yeah loud sneery vocal you know it, what you see is what you get type thing it's not hiding behind crazy production and the beta band stuff is so beautifully produced but like was so unapologetic in, in all its constituent parts that it was just there was something that was jumped out at you differently every mm-hmm. single time you listened to it and it, you were like wow this is a band that aren't just doing like a singer songwriter they're not doing a singer songwriter thing they're using acoustic guitars as a uh, in a way that was really at the time really exciting I mean acoustic guitar is now a bit of a dirty word it is <laughs> isn't it the sort of singer songwriter well this is it the resurgence of the singer songwriter in the, in the last sort of 15 years since uh, has kind of ruined <laughs> ruined the <laughs> instrument but the uh, that record just kind of redefined that instrument for me and and, and that taking found sounds and samples and combining it with just really super melodic uh, Beatles, Beach Boysy melodies. Oh man, there's so you much. kind of apply that to your own music as well. It's a big reference point, definitely. Yeah. And I think there's, I, I can't really hide. Like, I can't really hide that. It's something that it's the sort of music that I just love to listen to. So mm-hmm. it's the sort of thing that I really like to make. And so I suppose there is quite a lot of. <laughs> uh, although I've not tried to directly lift any of their songs, I'm, their you know their sound has definitely been incredibly influential. Um, and yeah, really, I, I think that particularly that band, the just the the different players were so great at what they did, um, and they thought so much about how to present it as well. Like the videos, particularly on well throughout their entire career, but the videos, the seeing those first videos for the first time um, around the three EPs era, it's just bonkers. They were totally insane. Like, yeah. Like flying carpets going through like mountain vistas on a, like a really deliberate green screen thing, wearing animal masks and just being stupid. It just it was like, wow, this is music that isn't taking itself too seriously, which at a time when Britpop was happening, where it was all about how you looked and everyone looking crazy, you know, everyone being really thin and uh, doing coke and, you know, <laughs> their hair all off to the side. And, oh, you know, that for this band to kind of come out with like, facial hair and <laughs> and you know uh, big geeky specs and just you know and uh, anoraks yeah. and all that sort of that, I was just like what what is this and it made me want to uh, to move back to Scotland you know that music listening to that music made me I was at, uh, in my final year at high school in America and uh, oh I didn't know you lived in America so yeah this is where that's where Secret Sounds was it's in the States right. in Connecticut so yeah I lived four years in, in the States I did high school over there so my wow. family moved over okay yeah so, sorry I should maybe have explained that um, <laughs> <laughs> where, where is he talking about <laughs> so yeah I was living in America and I suddenly knew that I needed to I was falling in love with Bell and Sebastian's music and, and the Beta Band's music and uh, 
and my the guy who ran the record shop was a guy who was a really cool guy. He was like, uh, I was trying to, st- I was struggling to think of where to go for university, and he was like, well, you know, when we were kids, you know, we would just figure out where our favorite band was from and we'd go there. So, you know, we were all into REM, so we all went to Athens, Georgia, and that's, so you should just do that with your band. And I was like, okay, well, they're from St. Andrews. And so I went to St. Andrews. Really? That's it, yeah. And that's the story. That's it. God, that's crazy. And that's pretty nice, isn't it? And yeah. how did your family feel about that? Well, I think they knew that I didn't want to stay in America that much longer. Mm-hmm. I kind of, like, um, the education, the whole sort of college system over there is kind of like it's incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. It's really prohibitively expensive, and, um, and you know I had the chance to come back and go to university for free at a really good university, and and I I just didn't um, want to stay in America. And what did you study? I studied English lit. Yeah. I studied English lit and psychology and maths, and then after the first year I got rid of maths. And after the second year, I got rid of psychology. So you I was like, tried to English do too lit. much, just English lit at the end. Yeah. Right. And yeah. are your family still in America? Yeah. My mum passed away about four years, five years ago. Um, but um, she was living in America at the time. And my mm-hmm. dad's, yeah, they were together. And uh, my, uh, my dad still lives there. My younger sister lives in Chicago. Right. So she's out there. Um, yeah. And so has your sister got an accent now? She's got a really irritating transatlantic. <laughs> <laughs> I love her, but... Oh my god, she has one of these accents. It's like, don't live like this. Oh my god. <laughs> she works in social media. She's an entrepreneur. Mm. <laughs> well, that sort of thing. She's really lovely. Really lovely. But uh, yeah, I think if you were to meet her for the first time, sorry, Katie. If you were to meet Katie for the first time, uh, uh, yeah, you'd be like, oh my god. <laughs> She's like a hyper, yeah. Great. American Barbie doll. <laughs> Um, and your your next artist, so James Yorkston, mm. you've got a really good relationship with one another. Um, mm. How long have you known each other? I've known James since 2003, really, when I first started at Fence mm-hmm. full-time. So I left university and, and did did music straight away, um, signed on and uh, and got to work at Fence and was running the Fence thing, doing the live events and all that sort of stuff and was playing as part of King Creasel's band. And so I met James through that, really, and because uh, he just got signed to Domino just literally the year before that, I think. And uh, maybe it was that year. But he was his star was on The Ascendancy, and he had to, like a really big record, um, Moving Up Country, that was like Rough Trade's album of the year. And, Don't um, let me Don't let me die. 
I first met James, I was like, oh wow, this is this this is this guy. And um, yeah, he's a, uh, just an incredible songwriter, really, really great. Um, very, I don't know how to describe his stuff. You know, I find his stuff quite effective. It like I really, I I get quite overwhelmed and emotional when I listen to him. Right. Yeah. Um, he's incredibly lyrical. Like, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's quite dense at times. There's just so much stuff that he packs in there, and it's uh, it's a real gift. He's got an amazing way with words. Um, and a really good way with the melody as well for someone who's you know his, his vocal range isn't exactly um, I don't know how you know he's not Freddie Mercury <laughs> but <laughs> which he'd admit himself but uh, you know there's so many great melodies in his songs and it's um, and he's someone who kind of comes from that who got lumped in with a sort of folky thing and and there's definitely a part of him that you know that loves that tradition but he's also someone who's not into the sort of over ornate uh, folky stuff. He doesn't do any weird guitar tunings. He doesn't do anything to time signature weird or anything like that. He doesn't show off. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing guitarist, but he he knows that he doesn't need to show off in his songs. He can, the songs can stand up for themselves and they're strong enough to do that. And um, yeah... Uh, I think that's quite brave because there's a lot of um, you know in that world of singer-songwriters men with acoustic guitars there's like a lot of one-upmanship and I think that's always been around you know who's uh, who can do the you know the who can play Angie the fastest and you know all that sort of bollocks it's fucking bullshit yeah Uh, and like my relationship with the folk thing has been really odd because throughout my entire career I've been described as a folk artist um even this recent record, I've seen like the the F word being used. I don't understand that though. It was just just totally insane to me. But like, not that I'm, I, you know, I love listening listening to folk records, but I can't, you know, there's nothing that I do that's even remotely. I can't in, even. In the, the, the thing with you, and I guess with bands like the Beta Band, and and um, we were, I was mentioning to you about Super Fairy Animals. I can't really pigeonhole any genre. There's, it's. You take so many different elements. I mean, the new record, it's the elements of hip-hop, electronica, and everything mm. like that. So, um, yeah, folk is pr- bottom of the list, it I would say. quite far back. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, so James is stuff amazing. And he's been someone who's been really supportive throughout my entire career. We do, we've done lots of shows together, and he's really fun to hang out with. And uh, he's a really... He's a, he's a funny guy, because he's... Um, He's quite a private person, you know, um, and uh, but he, with the people that he's close to, he's very generous with, mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, we've had lots of chats, and he's been just really supportive throughout my entire career, and was really there for me when uh, when the fence thing was kind of coming to to a close. He was a he was a big supporter around that time. This I'm probably putting you on spot here. What was the, was there a first song that kind of made you think, right? I want to do music. Um, the beat of band stuff actually was a lot like that. Yeah. Hearing that for the first time and kind of hearing how like they made that music and uh, made me think, oh, I really want to be. I w- I'd really love to make music like that. And then immersing myself in the fence stuff that was mm-hmm. just like uh, 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 over the four years that I was at university in St Andrews with each progressive year I kind of got uh, more involved in the fence thing so by the end of it I was kind of you know 
working there full time and uh, but yeah just witnessing that um, all that all the music that was coming out of that town it was uh, and, and seeing everyone play on each other's records and well not playing each, playing each other's bands and stuff and singing along with each other's songs it was um, yeah that was a that was a big big part big gateway drug to making my own music and are you you're um a multi-instrumentalist is kind it fair of. to say it's not really or do you dabble I mean I don't really I don't even think of myself as an instrumentalist <laughs> I think of myself as a mentalist <laughs> <laughs> I can't play like I can't play anything that well I can only it's one of those things where uh, there's been so many embarrassing times where you'll go to a party and some arsehole will bring out a guitar and then pass it around and then they'll be like oh yeah play a song I and fucking hate I those parties know, like one, I'm not going to play my own songs at a party. And two, I don't know anyone else's songs to play anyone else's songs at a party. And also, I think I need to leave this party. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, the stuff that I do, a lot of it's trial and error, you know. So like, I'd be recording stuff at home and it'd be with a keyboard or drum machine. It'll just be like trying stuff out and then, oh, that doesn't work. Right? Oh, no, that doesn't work. And just kind of constantly taping over mistakes. This is kind of how I make make music, really. And the same with playing guitar and singing. And you've got quite a band now. Well, they can all play, thank fuck. But <laughs> so you've you've basically got your roster playing with you. Yeah, who's in my band? <laughs> uh, so yeah, at the moment I've got Suze Bear from Tough Love. I've got Ian Stewart, who's also in Tough Love. And lots of other bands in Glasgow, Phantom Band and Cutty's Gym. Uh, Joe Cormack is on guitar and he's from the Isle of Egg. He's a good pal and he used to play, still plays in a band called The Massacre Cave, who are a metal band from the Highlands. Very good, egg <laughs> metal. And uh, Kim Moore on uh, viola and lots of effects and keyboards and backing vocals. Yeah. Uh, Kim Moore does music under the name Wolf as yeah. well, and uh, she's incredible. It's a really great band. I'm really lucky to to have had like this, particularly for this record. It's like it's it's worked out really well. Um, Sue's from Tough Love is really responsible for for putting a lot of it together. She's like a total production genius, and she just when I gave Sue's the record and was asking her for help on how to put the band together, she she's taking care of the whole electronic side of things in terms of the arrangements and knowing where things should fit and um, getting the right equipment and suggesting what, what the actual setup of the band should be. Which has been good because it's the sort of thing that I was quite intimidated by going mm-hmm. into the thing. I mean, this is the first record I've done under the Pictus Trail name where I've used a, a different producer for the whole thing. And... And it's the first record I've done under that name where I've not really, I've not been any part of the production really. Yeah. I've, um, you know, I've been there when the track's been made, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not as low fire as DIY as the previous stuff. And in the same respect, I wanted to take a back step with the live band a little bit and, and rely on other people's input. Because I know what I can do, and I know what I can do well. I can talk shit really well, <laughs> quite good at that. Uh, I can drink really well. I can and I can sing all right, but uh, and I like fiddling about on my on my electronic machines that I've got that make weird noises. But it's not enough to kind of 
create a full band sound and Sue's had a really good uh, she just knew what it needed and she knew what players would fit right for it and, she, yeah. and the rest was just really easy it was great so we've been having been doing lots of rehearsals this year for the live shows that we've done and it's, it's the first time I've been able to do a live performance that has elements that sound like the record you know um before all my stuff was just like a, you know, uh, I, I mean I love the stuff that I did and I've, I'm sure I'll still do that sort of thing but it was, it was usually a stripped down version of what I'd done on record or it'd be like a sort of full on rock band version of, of songs whereas this it feels like the electronic stuff is, does provide the backbone to the, to the whole, yeah. to, the, to each song and it's like performance and uh, and knowing how to work with that has been getting to grips with how to work with that has been a big has been a big learning curve for me. Yeah. But it's cool. Um and, and obviously speaking of electronic, your your next track is, is Boards of Canada.
kind of described it perfectly as to how they make you feel when we were discussing. Yeah, they're one of these bands that just, I, I, everything about that group just, uh, and their development as a group has just been huge for me. I, like, I, I, I'm, I'm such a massive fan of their stuff. And um, their music, particularly uh, in a beautiful place out in the country, has this sort of thing which conjures up so many different emotions that seem to conflict with one another, but uh, it, it just sits so right. So there's something about some of their music that has a real sort of nostalgic sadness to it, like an old 1970s, 1980s. Uh, open university program about maths. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know so I mean? true. Uh, but then, like contrasting with like a sample-driven hip hop element, uh, and then there's also sort of a quite there's parts of it that feel quite cold, and there's but sat next to sounds that feel really warm and really um, um, affecting and really just really beautiful. And but then there's also an underlying sinister. Thing that goes on in their music, they'll, they'll sample children laughing and just really weird sounds that just uh, very brooding synth lines that kind of creep in uh, that just have a sort of weird darkness to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's all those things that together just makes you, gives you all the feels, <laughs> as people obnoxiously say these <laughs> days. But it does, you know, it's that, it's that sort of music that um, you instantly have an emotional reaction to it. It's, Incredible, and and the great thing about them is that I think they've really thought about how to present their music as well. Like the visual part of it is such a beautiful yeah. aspect of what they do. It's the colours that they use in, in the releases, and even the story that uh, that comes with the the records. You know, there's so much mystery that surrounded uh, that the two brothers. But it was only until Campfire Headphase came out that they admitted in like they revealed that they were brothers and when that happened with that record because it had uh, acoustic guitars being sampled in it and it felt it had a warmth to it that was different to the stuff they'd done before and it felt um, a bit more intimate I mean maybe I've overthought this (laughs) but there was something about it that was just so real on that record Uh, it didn't feel you didn't feel too separate, you felt much closer to the band uh, and to their music upon hearing that album, I felt. And they chose that album to reveal the fact that they were brothers and we were like, oh, wow, this is like, it's totally perfect. Yeah. I mean, I hope they are brothers. Maybe they've just made that up. <laughs> never know. But it was, uh, <laughs> it's just like being a fan of the band and then getting to that point where they reveal that and you're just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Uh, that's a, yeah, it's really cool. I think it's a really uh, n- the way they kind of refuse to go out and do stuff live. You know, they've not done anything live for for years, and and the way they've kept that control over their image and stuff is um, a really difficult thing to do. Yeah, Re- like insanely difficult thing to do. It's so shrouded and smothered in mystery. Like I don't know how they've managed to because they must have had so many offers for to do live stuff I mean they must just get offered stuff all the time yeah yeah so <laughs> it's and incredible so I, I have to talk about um, Egg oh yes and <laughs> because you are in love with it so much mm. your home um, 
Howling Fling, which is the festival that you now do, um, is it is it going to go as long as you want it to go? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I don't really know. I kind of like I I don't really have a plan ever. Everything's kind of made up on the hoof, and uh, and so it's all just about what else is going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, you know. Uh, I'm definitely going to live the rest of my life on egg. Yeah, <laughs> I've just built a house and. Uh, are you so? You're, are you in the? Are you still in the caravan or are you in the house? We've left the caravan. Wow. We're now in the house. That's We've quite sad. In, I, I, I do miss I'm, the yeah. caravan. Yeah. I do put the caravan down as my address. That's <laughs> <laughs> something. It's quite Father Ted. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing this caravan. Oh my god! Like I've lived in it for like four and a bit years. Wow. Five years. Because automatically, if you say caravan, everyone is going to think it's something that you put on the back of your car. Mm. But I'm assuming it's like a murder home. It was kind of, it was like a bigger sort of static caravan. Right. So it had like two bedrooms and it had a kitchen and a boiler and a big fire in it. And God. Well, yeah, it was like a flat, I guess, you know, but it was just with really thin walls. It was fucking freezing in the winter. But, uh, oh my God, it's brilliant. And um, but Howling yeah. Fling, it was Bossy Lover on uh, a podcast, and we were talking about um, Howling Fling. Oh, had they already been on at um, that point? Had yeah, they been on? yeah. All oh, right, cool. They've been on there. And they said that it, it was like their favourite show of the year. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! And they said, Did they really say that? yeah, honestly, across oh, my wow. heart. And they said that it was oh. basically like taking people from Glasgow putting them on an island and then use, losing all inhibitions yeah. and just going for it. Yeah. Um, but everyone that I speak to, like Joe Rattray from Admiral Fallow and, and countless other people who have said, to, I say to them, is it really that good? And they're just like, you, you, you don't even, you can't experience, it's just amazing. It is incredible. It is like, I remember the first one we did, the first like Fence Away game was like 2010 and, uh, there was something. There was so much stuff wrong with that event. Like we ran over by six hours. <laughs> there was we ran out of food. I think we ran out of booze. Oh no! But like everyone by the end of the weekend was like, "That was the best weekend of my life." Really? Yeah, it was insane. And I think that's the. There's something about being on that island, and the journey to the island is part of it. I think you know that you're kind of removing yourself from normal everyday life and. Uh, and when you, by the time you get up to Arisig or Malik, wherever you're getting the ferry from, you know, you're already feel it, it feels like a different part of the world. And then uh, taking that ferry trip over and then arriving on this place that looks like Jurassic Park, it's fucking amazing. <laughs> we have the theme tune playing out on bagpipes. And really? No, but if we did, that would be amazing. <laughs> you need to do that next year, <laughs> You better do that next year. Um, and so have you started booking for next year? Well, so this is the thing, is that we do it once every two years. Right. And we were going to do, we did a smaller one this year, although it wasn't really that much smaller. It was like, it wasn't really smaller at all, we just had one less venue. <laughs> uh, but, and, uh, and we thought, all right, we'll do a smaller one this year. I just had a child and there was a few other sort of factors that it sort of played in. Um, and... Uh, so thought we'll do a small one in 2016 we'll do a bigger one in 2017 and now the small one that's happened in 2016 and it went really like it was the most easy one to organise now I'm like oh 
let's just keep doing small ones. <laughs> so I might try, I don't, we're, I might get hiring about doing one next year. Uh, um, I, th I mean, I'm sure people would want, want it to yeah. happen. It's just, it's quite an overwhelming thing to happen and to, uh, and you know, it's a, it changes the dynamic of the island. So, yeah. you know, it's a big influx of people and, um, but it's still, you know, on the scale of things, it's a tiny, you know, it's a micro festival. It's really small. So, uh, yeah, I I'm still having an airing about it. There is an act who we approached to play for this year's one who pulled out at the last minute and said that he would do next year's one. And then he's pulled out of that as well. And so there's a bit of me that thinks, okay, well, I'll wait till... If I can find a, a certain specific act to play next year, then it's all. <laughs> but unless I find something really, really special, I just, I'd, I'd rather keep it once every two years. But yeah, there's a, there's a definite sort of wish list of acts. Um, Are you allowed to tell me? I don't know if I can, because then if I say Well, don't, it, you don't say it on the podcast. Yeah. You can tell me off air. Okay. Um, <laughs> if anyone wants to know, just get me drunk in a pub <laughs> somewhere and I will spill. <laughs> and he will, you know. <laughs> um, so Hot Chip. Now, Hot Chip is well, what I want. To, I think for me, people went down two separate, well, two different lines. You either were LCD Sound System or you were Hot Chip oh, when right. these guys. And for me, it was LCD Sound System. Um, and I think it's just because over and over was just did my head in. Yeah. Um, but they've got some really underrated tracks, I think, that probably deserve more attention, including this one. Oh man, this tune is amazing.
'cause I haven't got the time for a jack your body loser. And all you can hear is my refusal, 'cause I haven't got the time for a jerk or loser. And all you can hear is my refusal, 'cause I haven't got the time for a jerk or loser. Band. It's funny that LCD sound system thing because yeah. I was kind of like I wasn't really aware of LCD sound system until Daft Punk is playing at my house. But Hot Chip had been around for quite a bit of time before that. So I knew Alexis from he used to work at Domino, and so he'd come to uh, a lot of the shows that we do when we were like Vent shows when we we're down in London. And he's a big fan. He's really into the Vents thing and. Uh, and he's just a really cool dude, and it, like uh, his songwriting, I think, is just so perfect. His voice is just amazing, and Joe Goddard's production and his Joe's songwriting and Joe's voice is yeah. just the perfect complement. Like they work together so well; it's yeah. just such a perfect thing. And for me, like that band, they've just managed to capture a thing that's like um, it's just the perfect balance of like emotional pop music with uh, like stupidness like there's a little bit of daftness and silliness and I guess that kind of comes from the sort of there's similar to the beat band in some ways like that sort of that sort of daftness and like in jokes and all that sort of stuff um, and yeah there's something like for me they're like my generation's new order I think they've got like so many 
great big hits. So many. That's big a songs. really good way of describing them, actually. And I think when they, whenever they release the greatest hits, that'll be like people are like, "Whoa, yeah, God, they wrote that. Yeah, they wrote this. They wrote that." Like, they've just got so many. Do bands release greatest hits these days? I guess they don't have to. If they're I think them. bands like take that. Yeah. 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 Um, well, maybe they'll never do one. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll have to do a playlist. <laughs> but this crap craft dinner, like, so that it's like a really beautiful song like the lyrics are like all the people I love are here all the people that I love are drunk and it's like he sets a scene Alexis sets the scene of being like in a club with his pals it's a really simple melody like a really bold um, you know house beat that's over the top of it and it turns into like a weird little electro funk workout with a sax solo at the end it's beautiful but it's all about a, a craft a, like microwave dinner <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so there's like a sort of stupid stupidness in there, which is like, uh, it's great. It sort of takes out any sort of earnestness from the song and kind of makes it just fun. And that's what I really like about their their writing style. I think they're good, but I think you can you can love both Hot Japan and LCD. Yeah, no, totally. And I'm, now <laughs> I, I I accept that. I think it's the the whole um, MTV two. Uh, I mean, generation. LCD are way cooler. Definitely. They Do you, have, I, I don't know. I think they're both in the equal measure. Really? Yeah. I suppose there is a nerdiness that they kind of both... Yeah. Uh, they, uh, I'm sure they've been tagged with the nerdy thing, both being tagged with the nerdy yeah. thing a lot. But yeah. Um, and so you you briefly said earlier um, about managing. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 It's something I swore I'd never do. Why? Just because it's, um, it's so weird to try. Like, there's not really any fixed managing a band. Isn't there's not really a a fixed way of doing it. There's there's not really a rule book. So managing a band can mean anything. Mm-hmm. It can mean like just you know, um, giving them advice, or it could be you know actually micromanaging every single part of what they do in their day. You know. And um, there's different forms of management. I mean, I've had management in the past, management with uh, Silver Columns, and I've worked with bands that have had, you know, I've been in bands that have had management and all that sort of stuff. And so I've seen how different managers operate, and every single one is different. Every single one. And um, and there's, there's something about it that just, um, I, don't, I think managers are like, they're good. There's some great people, really enthusiastic, passionate people. And, but the manager's job is to be an asshole and to get like the best, right? It's so true. It's to, to get what's best for the band. And so you've got to be wide and you've got to be, you've got to totally push for like, oh, that's good. Can we get more? Yeah. Can we get, and can things be done in this way? <laughs> and you've got to be quite thick skinned and you've got to be kind of like just constantly, yeah, this is good. Can we also get this? And do you, do you ever feel sometimes, do you ever sit and go, Oh my god, I'm such an arsehole and I can't believe I'm pushing for this. Every day. Really? <laughs> well, I think that I've now taken a sort of a backseat on the management thing with that. I kind of, um, I, so, I now tend to just look at the, the managerial stuff I do, with, specifically with Tough Love, to be more on a sort of release by release basis. Yeah. And I'll let them do their own thing because, you know, they're. they're, they're you can be too controlling, you can kind of get too involved in that side of things and it can just be a bit mad. So, um, yeah, but yeah, this is, you can't escape that feeling of, in order for the band to get the best thing, I've got to be a dick here. And 
I've got to be constantly pushing on each of the different team members. There's a lot like for any good like album campaign or all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of different people involved. You have radio pluggers, you have PR people. And within PR people, you have people who deal with digital side of things. And then, I don't know if this is really boring. No, but like, it's interesting. You know, like the you people who do print press, but then you have people who do print press just for national publications. And yeah. People who do print press for regional publications and some only for specific regional publications. And then you have a distributor and then you have an agent. And then sometimes you're dealing with a tour manager. And so there's a lot of different people who are involved in the marketing and pushing of an album that aren't just the band members yeah. and you've got to manage them as well because yeah. you've got to you know uh, and that's the with also being the sort of label guy that had like a sort of double job there uh, with that and, and it, there is there's always conflicts there's always massive conflicts of interest where that's concerned um, and so it's a it's a difficult tightrope to to balance on I think sometimes but um but it's been cool as well. Like I've, I've really loved it. I've really loved working with the band in that way. But um, and, God, and I you, don't feel good about myself. You, well, <laughs> it's horrible. No, but you, I, you're, you're one of the better managers that I've dealt with in Thanks. the past. And I'm not just saying that. I think you have to. It's about being honest, isn't it? And yeah. I think that's it. If you can kind of, because uh, I try not to push for things too crazily. I yeah. Because you could just, it could just never end. I think if you have a good understanding and you're pals with everyone and and you're not trying to dupe anyone. Yeah, and that's the, know your limits. Yeah, that's it. Some people push it too much and you can spot them straight away and they're fucking assholes. Yeah. You're just like, right, yeah. don't want to deal, I don't even want to deal with that. It's put me off the band's music because that person's yeah. such a dick. No, and that's true. And it's an unfortunate thing. I'm-
picked Penguin? Why this song? Um, well, I would have chosen Sweet Discontent, but I know that they played it on their podcast right. <laughs> when, when they played. Uh, but Penguin was like a, it's a song I've covered of theirs even. Uh, and it was on that first EP that they did. And I remember listening to their junk EP tons before I even approached the band. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I knew Suze because she played in the band Monogonon who were on Lost Map. And, and the singer's uh, now on an Ikea advert. Have you seen that? Wow. <laughs> that is, it's weird because it's like an Ikea advert that starts like a weird monogonon video. And you're like, what's going on here? Have you done that? Um, so yeah, I was listening to that Tough Love first EP. I listened to that so much before I even approached them. And there was something just really affecting about the songs and just really... Uh, I don't know what it was. It just had this thing that I, I just constantly want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what you get that with well, the band? Well, Slammer is the track that I, um, but it reminds me of growing up with in the nineties and listening to so many bands like Nirvana and stuff like that. And it mm-hmm. just has that melodic, I guess, like Smashing Pumpkins and Hole, and it's it's got that real grungy. It's it's so good. It's the perfect marriage of sound that that thing that they do is like the the melodies and the lyrics and the, the just the way the effortless cool singing and uh, and then the really great production just the way that those two work has produced some like an album of really really great songs yeah that I just think are incredible um, and yeah Penguin's last one on that first EP and it's just that it, as soon as that one would finish I just want to listen to the whole EP again yeah I'd go, you know, I'd be listening to it like six times a day. That's great, though. It's a short EP. I just was totally addicted to it. And what, like, I love the songs, but there's something just about the sound of it and the feel of it that I just, you know, you you get that with certain bands. But I've not really had that with a specific band since I was like a teenager and Mm -hmm. listening to like the Pens over and over again. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where those were that when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, (laughs) just listening to you know. favourite songs over and over again on repeat just because the sound of them just made you feel like a, just made you feel invincible and uh, that's how I felt about Tough Love when I heard that record and I was just like, this is brilliant and yeah, so meeting them afterward after that was quite intimidating (laughs) probably for them too So have you got any plans to, is there anything new coming out on the label soon or? Yeah, uh, we've got, what have we got? So there's a band called Lazy Day who've got a single that is coming out. In fact, it might be out by the time this thing comes out. um, This is coming out tomorrow. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, their track is coming out on Monday. I fucking love that band. Yeah, they're really good. Oh my God. So the split with them and Tough Love... Mm. That song, just their last two tracks have really blown me away. Mm. Um, phenomenal. I'm so happy about one. that. It's really good. So we've done, uh, and they're working on some other new material as well. So that's coming out as a seven inch soon. And um, shit, I've probably given all that away. Tilly will be really upset. <laughs> Sorry, Tilly. <laughs> um, and who else we've got? There's a, an act called Ed Dowie, um, who is from London it's just done an album and this is one of the rare chance this is one of the rare times this has happened that someone pardon me someone's just sent me an album out of the blue without me knowing them and I've heard it and gone this is amazing we have to do something with this and so that's um, 
but yeah, I know me and Ed are really good pals, so it's uh, it's all it's all worked out well. And uh, his album's coming out in January. We've got a single out in October, and there's a band called Manuela who've just started working with, um, and she is a really cool kitsch singer songwriter. Uh, her partner is Nick from France Ferdinand, ex, ex France Ferdinand, and he's produced this album of music with her. And I think we're going to be doing that later on in the year. Although I'm still waiting on artwork. <laughs> Should they be listening? <laughs> and uh, so yeah, there's a few bits and bobs, and then there's like more singles from the Pictures Trail thing, and then Kid Canaveral as well. There's like there'll be more stuff to come. And their new stuff is mm. I've loved it. Oh, cool! It's been really good. You've got a tour coming up. Yep, starting on next Saturday. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then two weeks on the road with the band. Uh, yeah, so starting in Leith uh, on the 1st of October. Yeah. And uh, this album, is it done and been what you've wanted it to do and be? Yeah, I think to be, for me it's just started now. Like, it's because it's just out and people are just starting to listen to it. Uh, I'm trying to work out how I can, you know, keep the campaign going for like the rest of the year and, and, and into next year. There's like, a, I want, you know, I'm working on new versions of some of the songs and putting, pulling together some remixes and stuff and mm-hmm. so that they'll, they'll get released at like over the course of the next year or so. And I want to kind of like, I want to play tons with this band because I'm really enjoying playing with the band and people are responding to it really well. Like people are dancing and people you know don't normally dance at my kids yeah. and it's been happening where folk have just been dancing to the new tunes and it's like it's a really good feeling and I want to and I really enjoy performing it like it feels uh it doesn't even like it doesn't even feel like my band in a weird way like it kind of feel, like it does obviously but like uh there's because I don't have to you know be playing guitar all the time or anything I can concentrate on the singing it feels like is it a breath uh, of fresh air for you? Yeah, I'm actually enjoying it. You know? Yeah, I mean, not that I wasn't enjoying it before, but like, uh, yeah, I just I'm, I can get really into it, and I've been busting out dance moves. And that's and and playing <laughs> with this band is it inspired you um, in terms of writing new material already? Are you starting to think of new ideas? I've been thinking thinking about it. But I don't know what it's going to be yet. I, um, so I'm going to try and work on some new weird versions of this of the current songs and try and uh, for a soundtrack that I'm doing and uh, for a friend's film. And I think from there I'll, be, I'll I'll see where that direction takes me and see if that'll yeah. be like a new thing. But I don't really know. I think kind of, it'd be interesting to see if this album kind of stands on its own as like the only album I ever do like this, or if there'll be a few others that have a more pop sound or. Uh, yeah, I don't know how it's going to go. I think maybe the live band thing will certainly influence it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of an, an empty page at the moment, which is uh, I'm excited about as opposed to worried about. Oh, 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 oh,
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.